Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Pirkei Avis Shir. We're up to Hashem to our third cycle of Pirkei Avis. Perak Aleph, Mishnah Beis. Shimon HaTzadik, Hoya Mishiyori Knesset HaGadoyla. Shimon HaTzadik was from the remnants, from the last of the Anche Knesset HaGadoyla. Who were the Anche Knesset HaGadoyla? This was a group of 120 Chachamim who lived at around the Tkufa of the beginning of Bayashaini. And they gathered together once they realized that the Nevuah is slowly and gradually stopping in Kla Yisrael. And they saw that there won't be any more direct communication from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Kla Yisrael anymore. And as a result, they gathered together and established different rules and different Takanas and Gedarim so that Kla Yisrael would be able to continue to thrive and survive in spite of the fact that there no longer would be any direct communication between them and between Hakadosh Baruch Hu and them, and they established different halachas, so Klal Yisrael could continue to thrive from that period onwards until this very day. And the Gemara in Yuma describes why were they called Anche Knesses Hakadoyla, the people of the Great Assembly, because when Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, "Akol Agodoy Lagibavanayra," and those words were put into davening. Yeremiah and Avi, though, later on came and said, if Klal Yisrael, the Beis HaMikdash, where it was once standing, is now being run over by Goyim who are running around there, how can we say, Noira and HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How can we say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is awesome if the Goyim are allowed to run around in the Harabayis and desecrate it? So he stopped saying Noira. Came along Daniel, and he said, the Goyim are subjugating Klai Yisrael, how can we say, Gibar, how can we say that Kodesh Baruch Hu is mighty if he's letting his children being enslaved by the Goyim? So they took, so he took away Gibar from the davening. Came along, Anshei Knesset HaKadayla, and they said, no. Actually, we can't say HaGibar, we can't say Hanoira, because the mere fact that Kodesh Baruch Hu allows, so to speak, his um, awesomeness to be put on hold. He sees the Goyim and the Harabites and he does nothing because he understands and he, he, he wants Klal Yisrael. He realizes that Klal Yisrael's avoid is to remain in the Golas. That itself is the Nairah, the, 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 the awesomeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the fact that Klal Yisrael can survive in the Golas in spite of everything that, that the Goyim do to them, that is a sign of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's mightiness. And therefore came back Anshei Knesset Sagdoyla, and they brought back those Lashainais to the davening, which we continue to say till this very day. And so, says the Gemara, that's why they're called Anshei Knesset Sagdoyla, the people of the Great Assembly, Sheikh Zira Yeshna. They brought back the glory of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so to speak, to its previous status. And if we take a look into what the Anshei Knesset Sagdoyla accomplished, through this, and through the other Takanas, that they were Misaken. So, what we, te- what we can come out with is a realization that what they were teaching us is that no matter what situation you're in, and no matter what point in time it is, there's always a way that Kalal Yisrael, as a whole, can continue serving our Kaddish Baruch Hu in, to their utmost ability, no matter what circumstances they're being faced. And that was the Avoidah, and that was the Chiddush that the Anshei Knesset established. And that was 
what they left as a message and a lesson for Klal Yisrael for generations. That no matter what situation you're on, you're in. You can continue to thrive and to steig. And so says the Mishnah, Shimon HaTzadik, Shimon HaTzadik, as we said, one of the leaders of Klal Yisrael, and one of the last remaining Anshik Knesset HaGadayla, so he came along and he said, the world stands on three things. And it's interesting that the Mishnah points out He was from the remnants, from the last ones of the Anshik Why is this relevant? Why is this important? What do we care if he was from the first ones, from the last ones? So, based on this idea that we're saying, that the Avoida and the Chiddush of Anshik was to establish in Klai Yisrael the understanding that no matter what situation you're in, you're always able and you always have to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu as best as possible. So we can say that Shimon HaTzadik took this to the next level as someone who was from those last ones, the last remaining of the Anshei Knesset Sagadayla. So he wanted to leave a message to Klai Yisrael for future generations. And he says to them, you know, you're going into you're you're going through a long period. There's going to be a long period. There's going to be Bayesheni, which is going to be a difficult period. And then there's going to be a Churban Bayesheni and the Tkufa of Golis, which is much more difficult. How are you going to survive? The world is going to stand on three things: Al Hatayra, Val Chasodim. The Arizal tells us that every single person from the time of creation. Until, forever, every single person that's born has his unique tafkid, which is different than anybody else. And for that tafkid is why he came to this world. And not only that, not only does every person have his own tafkid, but every single day in history has its unique tikkun and tafkid that it has to be done. And so, based on these words of the Arizal, we know that every single person is his own world because he has his own unique tafkid that he can fulfill and only he can fulfill to bring tikkun to the world. And so, with that in mind, Shimon HaTzadik comes along and he says to us, The world, your private world of every single Yid throughout history is going to survive, is going to exist and thrive. You know how? With these three things. Taira, and Gemilas Chasadim. And the Chiddush that he's telling us is that take the approach of the Anshik Neses that no matter what situation you find yourself in, if you're able to maximize the usage, the usage of these three Amudim, of Taira, of Avoida, and Gemilas Chasadim, then your own private world is going to stand, it's going to survive, and it's going to thrive. And that is the lesson that Chazal are hinting to us over here. This is, so to speak, his final message, the final message of the Anshik Knesset Sagadoyla to Klal Yisrael. That not only, are they, not only did they make takanas for us to help us last in Golis for so many years, but they're also giving a private message to every single person. You want to build your own world? And no matter what situation you are, remember these three foundations. Tairo, Avoida, Gemilus Chasodim. If you're able, and if you're able to, Utilize these things, no matter what situation you're in, you are going to survive. And just like Klai Yisrael as a whole, you too can thrive. 
using these three foundations. The Pasuk tells us, Every day of our life and every matzav that we're in, we can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so let's take a look at some stories and some ideas and how we can apply these three foundations, how they're applied, and how we can utilize them in the proper way to make our lives and our personal world built up even higher and even greater. Al-Hatayra, that is the first one. The Baal Shem Tev says, as we find in this week's Parsha, Parshas Matis Masai, Parshas Masai details the 42 Masais that Klal Yisrael went through in the Midbar. Says the Baal Shem Tev, just like Klal Yisrael as a whole went through those 42 Masais from their journey from Mitzrayim all the way till they reached the Promised Land, till they reached Eretz Yisrael, so to every single person in his life has to go through 42 Masais. 42 different travels, different travails that he's going to go through. And each time, it has its own unique avayda, uh, its own unique tafkid. And in the, in, the, in the history, or really in the, um, in the lifespan of every single person, so he goes through different uh, periods in which the Amud of Taira shifts to different ways. With that I mean... When a person is young and he's in yeshiva, so then Taira takes over most of the day. He's busy learning from morning till night, first seder, second seder, third seder, and so forth. And then he moves on to the next stage in life, gets married, he hopefully finds a job, and then now his tafkid is changed because no longer is he able to sit and learn all day. Yet, the Pasuk tells us, that every single Yid has an obligation to sit and learn Torah day and night. Taisvis and Brachas asks a very interesting question. We know that anytime a person says a Bracha, so if there's a Hefsek, then he has to repeat the Bracha. So for example, you put on your talis in the morning, and let's say all of a sudden uh, it, it falls off your shoulders, so the Alocha is you got to put it back on, you got to make another Bracha of Lisatev. But this. a person makes Kiddush, and then for some reason, he has to leave the house. When he comes back, so the halacha is in Kiddush al-Bokim Suda. Since he made a hefsek between the Kiddush and the Suda, he has to make Kiddush again. So there's a concept of a hefsek by a brocha. For Akasha, if that's the case, then why? We say Birchaz Atayr in the morning, and then a person goes out to work, and he doesn't have an opportunity to open up a saver until much later in the day, sometimes not until the evening, so why is that not considered a hefsek, and why doesn't he have to repeat the birchas when he starts to learn, whatever time of the day that is? Says Taisvis, a tremendous chiddush, that since there's an obligation of yigisa b'yoyim of so that means that a person really throughout the day, he never really is has a hesek hadas from learning. His mind is always on his learning, and so says Taisvis, it's considered as if he's learning the entire day. Now this Taisvis is a tremendous chiddush. And it's amazing, amazing chizuk to every single person. And that Jesus is telling us that even if you're going out to work, even if you're not learning much, you only have a few minutes a day that you're able to learn, but since throughout the day you're preoccupied and you're thinking about the time that you're going to be learning and what it is that you're going to be learning, then it's just as if you're sitting in yeshiva and kailal the entire day. Now how do we understand this? So... There's a beautiful story with Rabbi Sol Salanta where a yid came to him and he says, Rabbi, you know, I'm a simple person. I never learned in yeshiva. And I know that there's an obligation for every single Jew to, to sit and learn Torah. But how can I do it? I really don't know much. I really don't have the time to learn. 
and I don't have the abilities to do it. Says Rabbi Yisrael, learning Torah doesn't necessarily mean sitting in front of a Gemara. Torah means that a person's life is lived by following the rules that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. And so he says to the man, you wake up in the morning and you wash Nagel Vasser. So you're saying, you know why I'm doing this? Because it says so in the Shulchan Aruch that you're supposed to wash Nagel Vasser. And the same thing, when you're putting on tefillin, I'm putting on tefillin because the Shulchan Aruch says, and the Torah says, you're putting on tefillin. So while you're doing those things, you're doing those mitzvahs, and you're saying the reason I'm doing it is because it says so in the Shulchan Aruch. So that also is learning. Saying the words, saying saying, saying the words of the Shulchan Aruch in your own words, that's, that's Torah just as well. And throughout the day, says Rabbi Sol Salanta, in your job. So in this particular person, uh, he was a, a grocer. So he said, when you're making sure that all the measurements in your, in your shop, which the customers weigh their, uh, their groceries, are accurate, so while you're doing it, say, I'm, I'm doing this because it says so in the Torah. And during that time that you're saying these things, and whenever you're doing it, no matter what it is that you're doing, you are learning Torah. And that, of course, really brings about a new light and a new way, a new appreciation that we can each take to our own lives. Because no matter what it is that we're doing, even if we're working, if we're engaging it in an honest way and we think, you know, I'm doing this because this is what a Baruch Hu says. So do when you say that, you're actually learning Torah. And we can take this to, uh, to really to different and, and to, to extrapolate this to many different ways. There's a... Uh, um, a carpool that leaves Lakewood every single weekday morning. It's a bus, actually. And it's known as the Koilal bus. The uh, people who are on it, they're all uh, former Yungalites who left Yeshiva, left Koilal, because they had to go support their families, and they work in Manhattan. So the bus leaves Lakewood very early in the morning, and it's called the Koilal bus. For the first hour of travel, it takes about two hours from Lakewood till Manhattan, till Midtown Manhattan, for the first hour, so, there's a set learning Seder, where people learn together with Chavrusas, and they sit, they learn, they have Marimachimus, and different things, Gemaras, they learn it, and they shtayk. Once a week, one of the members of the bus, he gives a Chabura on the, uh, on the sound system on the bus to everybody, and it creates a tremendous Rizcha de Raisa, a beautiful Kaltaira, at a time and a place where it could otherwise be used for really doing nothing, maybe sleeping, maybe just schmoozing or daydreaming, but they utilize that time to the fullest and the maximum ability to engage in learning Torah on the way to work. After the learning, mm -hmm. so they have a minion for Shachos daily, and, and, um, and then they make it to Manhattan. And as one of the wives of the, uh, of these, of this, of the Koilal bus said in a letter to uh, the person who found it, she said, ever since my husband joined this, 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 uh, this unique journey, so he's been a changed person. He's becoming much more connected, much more spiritual. It changed his life, and that's what Torah does to a person. But the Chiddush here is that you don't have to physically be sitting in Koilal to figure out a way to shtag. There's so many ways you can do it, even on your way to work, and it's well known that for many, many years, and up until today, there's a daily daf shir given on the Long Island Railroad, which is attended by uh, several dozen Yidin, in which they learn the Dafyomi on that one hour or so, um, that one hour or so trip to Manhattan. 
every single day, and that also makes a Kiddush Hashem, and it changes the person's entire day. And today, we Baruch Hashem have so many opportunities to find mm-hmm. some time throughout the day to engage in Torah learning. To engage in Torah learning, there's so many options. We have Torah anytime, which you can hear and watch any share on any topic that you want from many, many dozens of well-known, excellent speakers. And a person can tune in really any time, whether he's traveling to work, whether he's traveling home from work, or even at work himself, while he has a few minutes or while he's busy doing something else, he can at the same time tune into a share to connect to Tyra. And that's what Tyrus is telling us, that in our own little way, if we, if we remember throughout the day, that yes, we made a bracha because of Tyra, and we have a chiv, an obligation of to never forget, and these few minutes here and there that we catch, to hear a few words of Tyra, to hear a few words of Musr, of Chizuk, that is our reminder that we're never really being mesech das, we're never really totally being distracted, we're never making a hefsek from that bracha that we made early in the morning, throughout the day, and as Teisvus tells us, if we're able to somehow accomplish that, then it's as if we're learning the entire day. Continues the Mishnah, the second foundation, al ha Avaida refers, in our days when there's no karbanas, refers to tefillah. And of course, we all daven three times a day. And that is the foundation of Avaida. But, just like everything else, we can incorporate the element of Avaida throughout our day as well. So that a person can find himself talking to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, even if it's not time to daven. There's a beautiful movement that started a few years ago called Thank You Hashem. And the idea is simple that throughout the day there's so many things that happen to us, so many things that people tell us, so many events. A person should always be constantly talking and praising the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, whether it's good and whether it's not so good. Thank you Hashem for the fact that I'm alive and thank you for giving me all these opportunities that I can see your greatness and that I can learn to appreciate your kindness. The founder of this movement is Achsida Shiyid from Muncie. His name is Ari Berkowitz. And he, he says how it started off really for very modest beginnings. He wanted to go into real estate. And it's around that time that he started saying thank you Hashem for everything in his life. He was driving by a, um, a house in Muncie and he sees there's a for sale sign. For sale by owner. So he calls up the house. It was a Jewish lady, not from... And he asks her about it, and she, she tells him a price, and, he, and she says, you're welcome to come down and take a look at it. He goes down to look at the house, and he gives an offer. And he sees, he says, he says the way he describes it, he says the house was worth over $400,000, but that was uh, above his, his abilities to pay. So he said, here's my offer for $300,000. I uh, really cannot go any a dollar above it. Thank you very much. And he added, thank you, Hashem. And this lady was very, very, very uh, inspired by what she heard. And she says, okay, well, thank you so much. And I'll get back to you. Really, this is not the price that I'm looking for. But we'll see. It's a few days later. And he gets a phone call from the lady. And she says to him, Ari, the house is yours for $300,000. And he lifts up his eyes. He says, thank you, Hashem. He had just made $100,000 just like that. And... As slowly as he continued to incorporate this into his life, he started seeing tremendous Yeshua's and brachas. 
And he started telling people about it. And slowly the movement grew. There's another fellow by the name of Rabbi Osher Horowitz. A chesidah the son of the Sprinkler Reverend Williamsburg. And he's also involved with this movement. And he told over his own story. He says every single day, when he wakes up in the morning, he says, thank you Hashem. And he details 72 things for which he's grateful for. 72, which is the gematria of chesed. He had a little baby who unfortunately was ill and he had to travel with him to Cleveland for uh, some procedures that had to be done. They were released from the hospital. It was Friday morning and it was in the summer. So Rabbi Harwood said he, um, he was released early in the morning and he wanted to make his way from uh, Cleveland back to New York. It was the summer and his, his family at the time was staying up in upstate New York in a place called Fleischmann's. Now, how's he going to make it to uh, Cleveland? So he checks out the uh, schedule at the airport. There's no flights that are flying uh, from the morning from Cleveland to New York that were available. And so flying would not be an option if he wanted to make it there before Shabbos. So he starts thinking, and he says, you know, really, it's a long day, so I can drive. I can drive, uh, I, can, I can rent a car and, 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 uh, and drive all the way from Cleveland to New York. It's a seven-hour drive. One each way, and I'll still make it with uh, some time to spare before Shabbos. So, he's about to call an Uber to take him to a car rental place near the airport, and then he says, one second, this morning, I didn't do my 72 thank you Hashem's yet. So, he takes, uh, walks away for a few minutes, he was with his wife, and he says, thank you Hashem and for 72 things. And then, he calls the Uber, and uh, the uh, he tells the Uber, take me to the airport, but not to the uh, terminal. Take me to the car rental place. And the man says to him, where, where do you plan on driving to? He says, I'm driving to upstate New York, 500 and something miles away. So the driver says to him, you know, uh, maybe you don't have to rent a car. I'll drive you there. So he said, that's, that's, that's very nice of you to offer, but I cannot afford an Uber uh, for a 500-mile journey. I don't have the money for that. So the driver says to him, don't worry. It costs about $120 for uh, gas and tolls to make it to uh, New York. That's all you have to pay me, and I'm be- I'll be happy to drive you there. So he's very suspicious. He calls his father, the Spinker Rebbe, and he says, Tati, this is the story. This uh, driver offered me this ride. I really have no idea why in the world he's offering it to me. What do you think? And he also tells him uh, what happened earlier in which he remembered to say the 72 times, thank you, Hashem. And his father, the Rebbe, said, it's a simon from Shemaim, it's from the Abishter himself. He's giving you a, a favor. Uh, you can go in the car and you should drive safely. So, as he describes Rabbi Horowitz, he put on uh, his own ways to make sure that the driver is not taking him anywhere crazy. And after some time, he eventually fell asleep. He slept for a few hours. And uh, after he woke up, they were very close to New York. They made it to New York with plenty of time to spare. He paid the driver his $120. He had to thank you very much. And he got out of the car shortly before Shabbos. And, uh, and he says, you know, this was a gift from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, really, which is highly unusual. But it was certainly a Kaddish Baruch Hu appreciating the fact that I'm praising him. And he's paying me back in kind. 
by doing this tremendous and unbelievable and unusual chesed of having a basically free ride all the way from Cleveland to New York. And that really is what this movement is all about, of which we said before, that we're realizing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan, and we thank Him for whatever it is, definitely if it's for good, and even if things are not going so well, we still thank you, Hashem, because we understand that He's guiding us, and He wants something from us during this point. So thank you, Hashem, for giving me this Nisayan. Thank you for putting me through this difficulty so I can appreciate you more, so I can grow more. And as they describe, Yeshua's keep on coming. And one more story that they told over, the founder, Ari Berkowitz, had spoken uh, some time ago at a venue about the importance of thank you, Hashem. And after he finished speaking, so a fellow came over to him. He's around 40 years old, and he says, you know, it's, he says, Ari, you know, I've been uh, davening for a shidduch for the last 20 years. And I'm still single. It hasn't been working out. So he says to him, what, in what way have you been davening? So he says, I, I do everything I could, every school that I could find. I go to Kivar Tzadikim, and I cry. I go to Tzadikim, and I beg for brachas. And I daven, and I constantly cry. So Kishboruch, please send me a shidduch. So he says to him, it's very nice what you're doing, but let me tell you about a different approach. Instead of begging Yekadosh Baruch Hu and crying to him that you don't have your shidduch yet, maybe try it in a different way. Say, thank you, Hashem, that I haven't yet found my shidduch. Obviously, you have a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. And I'm thanking you for it, even though I don't really understand it. It's a few months later, and he gets a phone call. And on the phone is this man. And he says, Ari, I'm calling you even before I called my own parents. I'm about to get engaged. All of this changed. Why? Because he changed his attitude. And instead of just crying about the situation, he praised HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he said, Thank you, Hashem, that you're putting me through this difficulty. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that we're thanking Him, even for the things that aren't so good, so he says, If you're thanking Him for things that aren't good, let me shower you with good and then you'll thank me even more. And that brings about tremendous hashpah in Yeshua. And finally, the third Amud, Gemilus Chasadim, Kal Yisrael, is one, one of its trademarks of, of, of a Yid, Baishonim Rachmanim Goim Lechasodim. It's ingrained in our psyche, in our DNA, to be Goim Lechasodim. And Kalal Yisrael, in so many ways, shows that by doing Chesed in unbelievable ways, in ways that we never imagined, and you, you uh, really, uh, original ways that, that uh, are very, very unique. I just want to give one example. My father-in-law was in the hospital with COVID for a few months, and being that visitors were not allowed in the hospital, so it's very di- it's been very difficult. So there was some Hasidish Yidin from Williamsburg who set up a system in which you can get an iPad, and they got permission from the hospitals to bring it into the patients so that the families can constantly monitor what's happening to their loved ones while they're in the hospital. And they can uh, communicate with them, of course, but they can also observe the care that they're getting and if needed, call the doctors or the nurses to point out that something has to be done. This is just one example of so many ways that Chesed was done and is done through uh, by Klal Yisrael. But, as we said, there's ways that are even more unique in which we can do Chesed. Shem Pinkus points out that a person can transform his life and his work from mundane to 100% chesed. For example, 
Somebody owns a grocery store. So he can say, I'm doing this because uh, you know I want to make money, and that's fine. But you can turn this opportunity into one big chesed, because while you're doing this for the parnasa, it does not take away from the fact that what you're doing is providing a chesed for Klai Yisrael. People need to eat, they need milk, they need bread, they need eggs or whatever it is that you're selling. So, when you go to your store and you stock up your shelves, when you make orders, and when you're standing behind the counter selling to people, so have in mind, I'm doing this because I want to make a chesed to call Yisrael. They should have food on their tables, they should have food to eat. Even though you're getting paid for it, that's still a chesed, because you're thinking that you're doing it to help a fellow Yid. A doctor. So, he's healing people. But if you have in mind that I'm doing this as a chesed, because I want to help my fellow Yidim get better, then you are doing a chesed by just going to work each and every day. And the same is true, really, for any job that someone has. We're always helping people through our job, and if we just give it some focus and some attention, then we can transform our mundane, regular job into one big act of chesed. And not only that, continues our pinkus. But even at home, a mother who's caring for her children, she's cooking, she's doing laundry. If she thinks, hey, I'm doing this because I want to help Hashem's children, because I want to help them grow, because I want them to be healthy, so that they can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu better, so that they can grow up to be Erlech HaYidin. So everything, every single thing that she does, whether it's the laundry or washing dishes, is actually transforming itself into an act of chesed. And the same thing for the husband, He's out all day at work, providing for the family. So when he leaves in the morning, if he thinks, you know, I'm going out now because I want to provide for my family. I want to provide food for my kids. I want to provide for my wife. So he transforms his entire day to one big act of chesed. And that's just one aspect of it. And throughout the day, of course, there's so many opportunities to do chesed. It could be in ways that we know to be chesed, but it could be in other ways. For example, if you smile at a person, Chazal tell us, Greater is the one who smiles at his friend, even the one that gets better than someone who, who gives him a drink of milk. Chesed does not have to be done through necessarily spending money, giving tzedakah, which of course is important and necessary. But it can be done through very, very simple ways which don't cost us anything and all it takes is a little bit of thought and we can transform our lives and turn our lives into one big story of chesed. And I just want to conclude with two beautiful stories highlighting this aspect. We mentioned how no matter what, what situation you're in, there's always a way to serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So recently there was a, a very chash of a lady who was nifter from COVID-19, unfortunately. Her name was Rebetzin uh, Chavi Weisberger. Her husband was uh, a very chash machanech, Rabbi Zvulon Weisberger, one of the, he was one of the editors of Olamenu, and a well-known machanech here in, in uh, schools in Brooklyn. In 1983, so uh, the Weisbergers had their first granddaughter. And the way they raised their children is that you don't just throw things out, you should always try to find a way to uh, either reuse it or to pass it down to someone else who might need it, not just throwing things out just because uh, they, uh, the person no longer needs it. So when this granddaughter um, outgrew her first pair of shoes, 
So the daughter says to her mother, she says, Mommy, you know, I don't know what to do with these shoes. They're actually still in good shape, but I don't have anybody else to give it to. So what should I do with it? Should I throw it out? So the mother says, no, 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 no. Instead of throwing it out, why don't you uh, take the shoes and, and ship it off to the well-known organization in Israel, Yad Eliezer. Maybe they'll have a use for it. And the daughter says, hey, that's a great idea. And she took the girl's shoes, the weekday shoes, the Shabbos shoes, and uh, a few pairs of shoes that they had. They sent them to Eretz Yisrael, and the response that they got was overwhelming. The shoes were grabbed off the shelf. Please send us more. And this gave Mrs. Weisberger an idea that if her own daughter, uh, her own granddaughter's shoes could be used, then why not try to take this as an opportunity to give Kal Yisrael the opportunity to do chesed and to provide many more thousands of pairs of shoes to the poor people of Eretz Yisrael. And so she started a shoe drive in which they uh, send out messages throughout the different uh, different yeshivas and Yaakovs that we're collecting shoes for Eretz Yisrael, for the name of Eretz Yisrael. Please send in, send in any shoes that are still in good shape and that can still be worn. And uh, people responded with a very overwhelmingly response. Hundreds and thousands of pairs of shoes started pouring in from all these places. And Mrs. Weisberger, together with her husband, they organized their basement and turned it into a big... Uh, warehouse for shoes and they had girls basically come over and they would sort the shoes into sizes into colors and those shoes that were not um, really in good shape they would throw out and those that were so they would have them polished and then they would ship them off to Eretz Yisrael where throughout the, the, the past 35 years or so hundreds and thousands of from families are able to get shoes in good shape free of charge and it continues till this very day. Throughout Lakewood, they have uh, bins where people drop off their used shoes. And those shoes are continuing to be shipped off to Eretz Yisrael. You never know how you can serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, how you can serve Klai Yisrael and do chesed, even in ways that you might not think of if you just give it a little bit of thought. And finally, one last story. In 1976, here in Flatbush, there was a Rebbe by the name of Amir Fogel who passed away. He was a Rebbe in uh, Yeshiva Tiver Yisrael Chavetz Chaim. He passed away suddenly, and Rabbi Fogel, unfortunately, did not have any children. He left behind his wife and his mother, and those were his sole survivors. One of his close friends was a man by the name of Rabbi Meir Zlotowitz. And after giving it some thoughts, so Rabbi Zlotowitz said, you know, Rabbi Fogel did not leave behind any children. So how is he going to be remembered? He decided to do something that will give him an everlasting memory. At the time, there were no or very few um, translations into English of uh, of any svarim. So Rabbi Zlotowitz sat down over a period of a few months and he wrote a translation and a pirish on Megillah Sester. This was around Purim time. His intention was to print about 50 copies of it. to give it to his friends and to family members of Rabbi Fogel. And this would be his memory. But then... Rabbi Zlotowitz showed it to his friend and mentor of David Cohn. And after reading it, Rabbi Cohn called him back and he says, Mayor, this is not something that you should just give to the family and friends of the Nifter. This is something that all of Klai Yisrael could benefit from. What I want you to do is instead of printing it just to, to like a local 50 copies, print out thousands, 2,000 copies 
and sell it in all these farm stores here in Brooklyn. Because I'm telling you that what you have here is a treasure. And Klai Yisrael is going to enjoy it, and they're going to benefit from it tremendously. This is not just a small thing. This is huge. This is big. And he continued to praise it until Rabbi Zlotowicz got inspired. And he says, whatever you say, Rebbe, even though he didn't necessarily uh, think that, that that's what's going to happen, he printed it in 2,000 copies, and he brought it to all the farm stores in Brooklyn uh, for sale. Within a week or two, every single copy was grabbed off the shelves, and they had to print it very speedily in a few more editions. And that started the great movement that we know today of Art Scroll, in which Claudia Sorrell has been totally transformed, where every single area of Tyra is now accessible uh, in English to anybody who wants to learn, whether it's Shas, whether it's Tyra, whether it's Tanakh, or anything else. All because of those words of Rabbi Kohn, who said to him, this is not a small thing, this is big. By using our abilities, whether it's our financial abilities, or whether it's our speech abilities, we can do chesed, and we can transform not only ourselves, but the entire world. Thank you so much. All the best.